Um, I was reading this this article from uh, Deepak Chopra, and he he wrote this that spirituality is the evolution evolutionary unfoldment of our consciousness towards its full potential, which I think is in and of itself that's a cool sentence. Um, the evolutionary evolutionary unfoldment of our consciousness towards its full potential. Factors like money, health issues, and relationships are the changing circumstances that support the proce that process of self-realization. As such, for the spiritually inclined, they are included in the spiritual life, but are subservient to our evolutionary or dharmic needs. I'm just, I'm just sitting with that for a moment because there's so much there. Yeah. I, so you pointed out the first sentence, spirituality is the evolutionary unfoldment of our consciousness toward its full position potential. So that's, that's what we're the journey we're on. Yeah. Right. But then he, 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 he expands on that and says factors like money, health issues, and relationships are the changing circumstances that support that process of self-realization. So those structures, money, health issues, relationships can be enabling, or they can be inhibiting in our efforts to be more spiritually inclined. Exactly. And actually our circumstances that influence our journey, our dharmic needs. So this seems to be pretty universal. So what we've been talking about, right? This tension around people's inference around wealth, mm -hmm. this tension around how much um, personal identity individuals feel as a result of whatever wealth they have accumulated or haven't. Um, yeah. And so it seems to me that in terms of leadership, uh, especially in the context, context of organizations, it's important to think about then how wealth is impacting our teams, right? Because this is not just something that you or I experience or people who are having fun with us listening, but, <laughs> but it's, it's pretty universal. It's everywhere. I mean, anybody working has looked at um, the differences and, and maybe it's not as transparent as others. Um, but in some companies, there can be a huge difference between people at the top and those at the bottom of the salary, salary charts. Um, and this can make people at the lower end feel as though they're not as valued as others. And what's interesting is that it's not necessarily, strictly speaking, the number but the message, in other words, right. the inference that people are making about the differences, for example, in those numbers. Right. Like, like the people are at the top are a thousand times more important than the people at the bottom. And it's, it, that isn't necessarily what they're meaning to say, but some people will interpret it that way. And, and at, at, on the flip side, there are plenty of companies that can't pay people a lot, but they show their employees that they, they value their contribution in other ways. And this is why the, these ideas of equity and fairness in pay are so important because word gets out. Yeah. And no one wants to know that they're being paid less than others, but particularly when you think about those huge gaps that we're talking about right. and an understanding about the... Um, 
really the 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 value that that's placed on their own labor again, right? Yeah. For um for that firm as a result of those differences. Yeah, because they are contributing, and especially for people who are doing the same job. This that's, this this is hard. A leader who isn't cognizant then of how much money affects their team members, inference and understanding of the value that they're contributing can seem then really out of touch. And it makes it difficult then to lead authentically. Right. And and to really connect, to not understand the human side, as we were talking about organizational humanity. Uh, you can't be a human center organization if you don't understand this very stressful and emotional uh, emotionally charged subject um you know this is this reminds me how stakeholders expect companies to to make not only a fiscally responsible decisions but also ethically responsible ones as well that's right that's right we we have a broad understanding now in society that a company is supposed to make money but that this shouldn't come at the price of human rights, for example, or, or, or dignity. Um, and for most people, for environmental or community uh, uh, degradation either. Those should not be the kinds of prices that people are paid. Right. And, and as leaders, this means that you know, we need to understand our own values. We need to understand the values of the organization and stand up for them. It's our jobs to make the our job to make the hard choices and to stand by the values that are, are inherent in our role and our organization. So this is great that you've added the that you've you've started talking about values here because I think this brings us like sort of full circle back to what we started talking about, right? So the issue is not necessarily the money that people are paid, but when that's out of balance, when it's misaligned with values and purpose of the organization. And so if you can, just like individually, if we ground ourselves and align um, what we do with our money and where we make our money and the purpose that we um, have identified for ourselves and how that contributes, um, just like we do that individually, we can also as leaders make sure that we're making those connections within our organizations, right? Leaning on organizational values, using those as guides in any kind of policy decision, but certainly the kinds of decisions we make around salaries, salary structures, scales, um, et cetera, to make sure that um, we, we live up to the expectations that our stakeholders have of us. But not only that, that our organizations live into the values and the humanity that they're based on. Yeah. And that's, Exactly. That's what makes it why it makes it so important that as leaders, we have spent time sitting with these hard choices. They've we've sat with really considering the complications and the complexities, and our well, our our home, our spiritual home, our values home, so that it's a lot easier down the road to make those choices. So this is great because you're talking about an intentionality here. Yeah. And and that brings my question to four, which is, so what do we do about these kinds of tensions that we talked about, right? How do we fix or I'll say align our relationship with wealth and money um, so that we can be continuing to make progress on our spiritual journey? Oh, man. Uh, I, I think I always ask the small questions. Yeah, really. Um, thanks a lot. I think you've uh, set us up for a pretty tall task, but I, I do think that there are things we can do. 
that, okay, we're not going to solve the world's problems, but there are things that we can do to contribute or help ourselves and others make progress. And um, we do have a nifty meditation coming up um, on wealth and the complexities of wealth with uh, spirituality. But in addition to that, I think there's a few other things that we can do to help build a better relationship with wealth and understand how we can interact with it. Um, one thing before the prescriptive ideas, I think something that comes to mind that, you know, summarizes everything is whatever negative story we have about wealth that we've told ourselves in the past, it's time to let it go. And I, and I think that, that as we've talked about values and purpose, one of the ways that might help us let that go is to think about what success means for you. Yeah. Right. In other words, don't, don't worry about a story or what somebody else has said, but um, think about um, what achieving something that's important to you would look like. Um, And this comes back a little bit to calling, which we talked about in an earlier podcast. Um, but it, it does meaning making a definition of success that is relevant to your values, to your life story, and to where what your journey looks like, and not anyone else's, um, and allows you then to live into your purpose. Nice. And to do things that make you happy. Yeah. I mean, I, I very rare, rarely meet somebody who says, my goal in life is to make $10 billion. Oh, there's the occasional person. There are occasionally, but most most people have a different conception of what their purpose is or what their what success means. And yeah, yes. some a few people do put a dollar sign on it, but most people realize that there's more to that. But and then this is the this is the tricky part. We have to stand by that. Yes, that's right. And that's right. so that means that we really have to take stock of who we are, our purpose, what success means, and our fundamental needs, which which really comes back to what our core values are. So then that process looks like naming your core values and then using that to align what you're willing to spend your money on, for right. example. Right, right. Um, in some ways, extending that to your financial values, right? So do you spend money on what you value? Do your values inform how you spend your money? Um, Do your values inform how you earn your money? Right. So using those to sort of guide your relationship with wealth and not the other way around will enable us to... um, remain centered on, on our spiritual journey as we go on. And then wealth and, and your spiritual journey don't have to be at odds. Yeah. I really like that. Using your values to guide your relationship with wealth, not the other way around. Okay. I'm just going to let that, you know, mic drop right there. Yeah. Ah, crud. I guess we have a few other things that we wanted to say. Darn it. Okay, fine. Um, yeah, well, I actually wanted to build on this a little bit. So the thing that, you know, we, we just talked about letting your values guide your relationship with wealth, not the other way around. 
segues to the thing that we said just previous to that, knowing your values and spending uh, financially spending your wealth on things that you do value and thinking about your relationship with money that can, if you think about that ahead of time, this can help you make decisions that you're not uh, spending a lot of time scrutinizing, that you're not dwelling over because you already know what is in line with where you want to go or your success or your purpose. And it's an easy decision because if it doesn't fall in line with your values and your spiritual journey, you don't have to worry about it as much. And there are a lot of people who struggle with what they're going to spend their money on or lack thereof. But if we have, if we've had that conversation with ourselves, it makes that those decisions easier. Right. You, you have the confidence that you've taken care of what's important to you. Right. Uh, and it doesn't matter what other people choose, right? We don't, we don't know what their right. story is. We don't right. know what their values are. We don't, we don't have insight to that and that's okay. Yeah. Um, so since you don't need to worry about them or what's, and compare yourself to them, but um, you do have the confidence after doing some of this reflection around your own values and your own purpose and aligning those with the kinds of monetary decisions that you'll make, you have the confidence that you've taken care of what's important to you and, and you don't need to worry or compare yourselves to others. Right. Like, like, like I've said before, um, you know, in yoga, stay on your own mat, <laughs> you know, stop comparing your financial situation to others, you know, it, and, you know, do, uh, don't think that you have to know what's important to others or how people are viewing you. You're on your own journey. Um, and that leads to the, I think the last thing that we, we talked about earlier, um, you and I, is that, and, and this is a tough one, not attaching our identity to the numbers in the bank account. I mean, there are very few of us that haven't looked at the bank statement at some point in our lives and gone, oh man, but that's not who we are. Other people aren't looking over our shoulder, looking at the number. That's not who we are. So our identity doesn't need to be tied up with that number. In, in fact, the number is only meaningful to the extent that we attribute meaning to it. Nice. Yeah. That's so yeah. true. So if, if we are attending to our values and our purpose and, um, and keeping those in alignment with um, wealth accumulation or not, depending mm -hmm. upon what you want to do, then everything is just uh, sitting in a sort of peaceful state and, you don't have to infer anything about whatever those numbers are in the bank. That's a good point. We don't have to assign meaning that doesn't exist. That's right. Nice. If people want to work more on this, there's a wealth meditation that follows this. And hopefully that will help you uh, reflect on your relationship with wealth in, in ways uh, similar to what we've been talking about today. Thank you all for listening. We hope to see you in the next episode of The Mac, Mac and Wooly Show. Show.